0: podcast for what you could learn from your customers. The best thing about podcasting in healthcare is that we're currently at the ground level, meaning that the number of people in healthcare listening to podcasts is small but growing rapidly. I put together a free checklist for you to check out the steps on what it takes to create your own podcast. You could find that at outcomesrocket.health/slash podcast. Check it out today and find a new way to leverage the sales, marketing, and outcomes of your business. That's outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders. I really thank you for tuning in. Today we have an outstanding guest. His name is Andrew Demio. Andrew is an innovation and design coach at Trigg, industrial design firm specializing in consumer insights, design, and branding for medical, durable, and consumer products. With a background in NYC motion pictures, Andrew's last 20 years are in medical innovation, including 12 on faculty at UNC and NC State. It's North Carolina. His students' coursework led to multiple startups, including 410 Medical and MEDIC and winning national competitions from NCEES and the NIH. He founded the North Carolina Medical Device Organization and co-founded E.G. Galero, worked for Alaris Medical Systems as a design engineer, served as a business advisor and speaker for the Wallace H. Coulter Foundation, an advisor to the NIH C3I program, director of Duke Neuro Innovations, and on the planning team for BME IDEA. He holds a BS in physics, English literature, and secondary education from UNC Charlotte, and an MS in BME biomedical engineering from UNC Chapel Hill, and also a PhD from UNC Biomedical Engineering Department. You've got a glimpse into this outstanding man and his contributions as well as his very interesting background. But what I want to do now is open up the mic to Andrew himself to round out that intro. Anything that I missed, Andrew? So excited to have you on the podcast.
1: Wow. No, that was a, uh, that's a <laughs> mouthful and very, very, very kind. <laughs> so thank you so much. Nothing to add. I really appreciate it. You have me be on here today.
0: Hey, it's a pleasure, Andrew. And, you know, you've you've been so focused and you've done so many interesting things in the space. What is it that got you into the medical sector to begin with?
1: Well, you know, I think I've always been service-oriented. So, you know, my earliest memories of being in college, I was a, a tutor, would go and tutor at-risk kids in high schools. And, and I always cool. just loved teaching, mentoring, tutoring. I don't know. I've always been really interested in impacting people's lives to be healthy and happy. And I think I just found that being involved upstream at the innovation stage of, of medical device design and development is where I
0: found I could have the biggest impact. That's pretty awesome. it's It's at your core, and you've just found this this area where you could deliver on that core in a big way. You've obviously made a big splash in the industry, worked with very influential organizations and companies. Out of all the things that you've seen, Andrew, just kind of thinking of today, and what would you say are the hot topic that needs to be on every medical leader's agenda? And how are you guys tackling that at Trig?
1: Oh, man. So what I look at is the question that's being asked during due diligence over the past decade, and whether that's a, a big company looking at their biz dev team on due diligence or you know investors looking to make an investment in a startup. And over the past decade, what I've observed is the question primarily going from, hey, you know, what's your regulatory pathway to approval? That's what you used to hear. And then it kind of changed to, you know, is there an existing reimbursement code for this? But today, today, I feel like I hear over and over again, how will this change clinical practice? And when I hear that question, I feel like the bottom line is that the change from a fee for service to a value-based healthcare system shifts the focus to improving outcomes, reducing costs, and and really improving the overall clinical experience. So how do you impact that? How is that addressed? And our approach is to be part of the product development process early enough to truly understand all the stakeholders and to design a form and function into products to maximize the human experience. So that's the thing I would be paying attention to today is, is really thinking about improving that that experience for everyone involved and uh, and who's using and being impacted by the products that we're making.
0: I think that's a really interesting call out because when we are not at the initiation phase of that design process, I think we could lose a lot. So what you and your colleagues at Trig are doing is really sort of enabling this value-based care through the design itself Can you share with the listeners an example of how you guys are creating results by doing things differently?
1: It's about sort of a non-dualistic approach or a holistic approach. I'm gonna take a step back and say, hey, you know, the last 12 years, I've actually been on faculty at NC State teaching design and, and innovation. And what it really came down to is multiple mindsets and collaboration. And what I mean by that is, and you know, we need to be innovative, outside-the-box thinkers while at the same time being comfortable in a highly regulated environment. And that's not so easy to do, to do both of those things simultaneously. We need to embrace all of the different mindsets that we ourselves can deploy or those that are on our team might have. So, so things like exploring with a scientific mindset, solving problems with an engineering mindset understanding users' needs and generating solutions with a designer's mindset, and considering the business case, the economics, the legal aspects, I found that when this is done well, this type of multiple mindset approach and collaborative approach, and we have a real shot at developing iconic
0: solutions. It's that wing-to-wing approach, right? Having those different hats on to be able to, to get the result that you're looking for.
1: Yeah, and it's it's not compromising too. It's kind of interesting that oftentimes you'll hear sort of a non-dualistic approach be be a compromise, you know, like uh you got to be confident but humble. And you might say that in sports or something. And and I'm like, no, you don't need to be confident but humble. You need to be confident and humble. It's about yeah. being both all the way, like all in, all in outside the box and all in on following the regulations, right? You know, so it's really interesting when you can bring it together in a holistic sense.
0: It really is. It really is. And and so you've taken this career and sort of, you've been in and out of industry as well as academia, which I think provides for a really cool mix of those two um, spaces. What would you say something that has happened or that you learned a setback? in one of those areas that you learned from that's made you a better designer or better contributor?
1: Yeah, you know, if I told you all the failures, You'd probably have to start a whole new like <laughs> failure podcast. <laughs>
0: failure rocket. <laughs> yeah, the failure rocket. <laughs> Nobody wants to be on that
1: one, right? But we gotta embrace no, it. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but all, all kidding aside, I mean, of course I've failed many times and learning from those failures is really, really important. And and the one that jumps out to me when, when asked this question is going back to uh, my earliest days as a design engineer at uh, Alaris Medical Systems, you know, I was young, I was I was fresh, I, I didn't have any experience at all, and and I was put on a project to lead, to develop a new vacutainer. You know, a you vacutainer know, is like the vacuum-filled container to draw blood. Yes. And the whole idea was, hey, you know, make this more user-friendly for the phlebotomist, make it more comfortable for the patient, you know. And make it, you know, so it can be done one hand, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and and I went back and forth between patient and phlebotomist, patient and phlebotomist, you know, trying to understand how this product was going to be used, and I got got it really far along through the the product development process. I mean, we were we were making soft tools, you know, building you know production like products to get into the hands of the users and get some some really good feedback. And when you're that far in, it's pretty expensive to the company. And as we got deep into the product validation and verification testing, there was a hiccup. And it was, it did not fit in the centrifuge at the lab. Oh, (laughs) dang. (laughs) And it it totally killed the project. And it was just horribly embarrassing as a young design engineer. That's tough. Um, <laughs> it was and it opened my eyes early to this whole idea of really understanding all of the people that were going to be impacted by the product that you were developing and all the way down to the, this idea that that there's like real humans inside clean rooms assembling product all day long and you know what impact are you having on their lives you know like are are you causing these folks to have arthritis because you're design something that is just a pain to put together who are the people working in the labs that are processing samples as they're coming through you know it, it just really opened my eyes to have a have a full appreciation from you know initial sourcing of materials to disposal you know what impact is this product going to have on people's lives so yeah the lesson like the journey map following the patients the payers the providers and and all the impacted stakeholders and and considering every piece of it that's uh, that was a big big eye opener for me
0: that 's such an interesting lesson Andrew appreciate you uh, you sharing that wow and i 'm sure you 've been able to pull from that experience to help all the designers that you 've trained in your in your years as as a professor there, and now back in industry, I think the same problem applies listeners, you can apply this not only to design but also a patient going through the care continuum you know whether it be an episode of care or or just taking a look at them if you're a payer or yeah an insurance provider really and like hey where are they going long-term care where were they before and it's the same process that we've got to keep in mind like Andrew is, is reminding us it's that big picture and understanding how to impact whether it be a design or a patient really great share Andrew thank you for that yeah thank you so you hit that big bump. The product—did it end up not launching because of that?
1: Yeah, it was a complete failure. You know, we canceled the
0: product. Dang, and, you couldn't—you couldn't have changed the size a little bit and saved it.
1: <laughs> not that know, easy. it was just. Yeah, it wasn't that easy. And, yeah. and as far as like a new product development team was considered before you knew it, I was pulled onto a sustaining project. And you only get to cut your teeth so many times on cradle to grave product development project. I got to work on different projects there at Alaris. Got a design patent on a a vial adapter, you know, and worked on some really cool projects. But that particular one was just, it just didn't happen.
0: Yep. Hey, I totally get it. And now you're better for it. You know, we learn more from our setbacks than our successes. But let's talk about success. You've had a lot of those successes in your life in this medical field. Can you share with the listeners one that you're most proud of?
1: I guess coming into this, especially over the past 12 years, my proudest moments have been when the, when the students have achieved some, some success, you know, won some national design competition. But the one that stands out to me is 410 Medical. And this is, is a story that exemplifies what happens when students and faculty make it real, not an academic exercise, what happens when hospitals and caregivers open up their doors to collaboration. What happens when an entire ecosystem of academic and professional resources come together to move ideas from the bedside to the bench and back to the bedside? So 410 Medical uh, has a rapid infusion device for circulatory shock, rapidly infused saline through a hand pump. So this project started out in the classroom, in my classroom, many years ago with students doing, you know, observations at a local hospital, and it turned into an International Design Excellence Award for Trig, the company I'm working with now, and how that made it from students observing a doctor to startup company to raising money, even just all the pieces coming together for this story, including the local universities down here have angel networks. So there's Duke Angel Network, Carolina Angel Network, Wolfpack Investor Network. These are all lums and associated folks of the local university system who, who have, you know, a network to, to finance startups that are associated with the, the various academic institutions around here. And in this particular case, in 410 Medical, all three angel networks came together and invested in the product. Nice. Trig Industrial Design came in and took it to the, the finish line. We've got, you know, local manufacturing here in North Carolina, uh, Robling Medical, one of the best Contract manufacturers in in the country right here in North Carolina, and they're manufacturing it. You know, so from from final manufacturing, packaging, distribution, all the way back to the day that it was conceived, to the financing that got it there, it just took an entire village, the village yes. of the RTP region, to get this thing to market. <laughs> and awesome. it's saving little kids' lives. And to think that what started off as a student project is is saving. Saving little children's lives now is just awesome.
0: That's awesome. Great story. And 410 Medical. Is that still the the company's name, Andrew?
1: Yeah, yeah. 410 Medical. If you look it up, you can probably find it right like I think it's 410 Medical.com. So 410 Medical.com.
0: Love that. Folks, if you're curious about 410 Medical, one of Andrew's proudest accomplishments got a pretty cool website four ten the numbers four ten and then medical.com saving children pretty amazing feat that you've done there with the collaboration of your students and uh, local industry and now you're you're at trig which is kind of cool Tell us about an exciting project that you're focused on at trig
1: yeah you know so something that i'm that I'm really excited about working with uh, some of the most amazing industrial designers and in in the world here, these guys are just unbelievable. But you know, I've been tossing around this idea. I call it the diligence dashboard. Not, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, business model canvas. Uh, no, uh, I'm not. For those that might have might have heard of business model canvas, it's it's like a visual aid to go through a business modeling exercise, and really, really useful tools. These visual tools. So I've been dreaming up this dashboard that takes design thinking, and puts together diligence factors that you would for medical device product development, like regulatory reimbursement, intellectual property market, and technical risks. And what I say about this dashboard is that industrial design plus the dashboard allow you to put it into flight simulation mode before you ever take off. And so if you think about this, if you can really define a a really well-unmet medical need and start to conceive of solutions for that need, industrial designers are just brilliant at, first of all, understanding or defining that need and then coming up with realistic renderings of what a solution might look like. But before you ever spend a minute investing real hard design development resources into it, you can start to map out these areas of risk and get a good visual understanding of what the journey is going to look like. And so you can, you do the, the flight simulation mode on, on multiple options, see if you've got an opportunity to take off on one and then keep your eye on that dashboard while you're in flight too, because you're going to usually typically have to make some, some course corrections along the way. So that tool is something that I've been conceiving of for a long time, but it's really taking the expertise of what's under the hood at Trig and putting it together with that deep medical device product development experience to develop some new new tools to help help get products to market.
0: That's pretty cool, Andrew. Now, if you're a an individual uh, uh, leader at a device company or some sort of medical device firm, this may be something of interest to you. Um, if you go to trig dot com, you'll see what the folks over there are up to. And, and this project that Andrew has taken up is um, fascinating. And you guys know Andrew with his background and experience, great things are going to happen. So Andrew, this is exciting. And what's your roadmap? Like, when are you looking to have this done by?
1: We're implementing it immediately. You know, it's uh, it's minimum viable product time, right? So we've got a version of the dashboard that's
0: that's awesome.
1: That took us weeks. As soon as I joined, amazing. As soon as I joined Trig, you know, we started unpacking it right away, and it's huh. in continuous continuous improvement mode. So we're so only cool. going to be adding to it. For sure.
0: I think that's so awesome, man. And folks, when you, when you have a, a product like this that can help you de-risk any of your investment, this is a, a worthwhile pursuit. Andrew, this interview's just been a ton of fun, man, and the time lies. Let's pretend you and I are building a leadership course on design, what it takes to be successful in med device design, the 101 of Dr. DeMeo.
1: You're speaking my language.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're going to write out a syllabus, my man. And we've got a lightning round with four questions, followed by a book or two that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? Sure. sure. Awesome. What's the best way to improve the design in MedDevice?
1: Specialization and collaboration. It's that end, right? So when you can be deeply specialized and collaborate, that's the best way to go about it.
0: What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid?
1: Kind of the opposite of that. All in one, all in on specialization or compromising to meet in the middle. I think compromise is the wrong way to go or getting too deep into any one specialty area is also a big mistake.
0: Love it. How do you stay relevant despite all the change?
1: I'm gonna go back to the diligence dashboard. keep your eye on it. The importance yeah. of the indicators change over time. You know we talked about how we went from pathway to approval to is there a reimbursement to you know now we're really focused on the clinical experience. It's going to keep on changing and and what's important on the dashboard is going to change. And so we've got to keep our eye on it, keep adjusting it, and never get comfortable with it.
0: I think that's such a great call out. And as healthcare leaders, we've got to understand the dynamic of these changes. Andrew, I really love what you've highlighted here for us in this dashboard, right? Whether it be a dashboard that you're working on as an organization, you always got to keep it relevant. What's an area of focus that should drive everything in med device design?
1: Values. I think core values is the most important thing. At the end of the day, we're, we're trying to improve, improve life, extend life. It's about happiness. It's about health. So if we can stick to those those core values and do good, then everyone will benefit.
0: Love that. What book or books would you recommend on this syllabus?
1: Definitely, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance is uh, (laughs) is (laughs) you like riding top read. You know, I do, and I haven't in a long time. uh, Uh But I love to ride motorcycles. But really, you know, the book is is really about, it's about classical thought processes and romantic thought processes as one thing, that they're not, they cannot be separated. And form and function, this is sort of the, this whole design thinking mindset. Form can't exist without function and function doesn't exist without form. And, and it's not some kind of compromise. It's not making something functional and then making it look good later. It's not about having something that's beautiful but doesn't function well. It's one thing. It's one device that is going to be have both. So this book is a really interesting exploration of what is good and what is quality from both a cl- classical and romantic perspective. And I, I think it's a key read for, uh, for anyone that's interested in
0: innovation and entrepreneurship. There you have it, folks. Take note of that. And, uh, again, you don't have to – memorize what we just said, just go to outcomesrocket.health slash trig. That's T-R-I-G. You're gonna find all of the show notes, a transcript of our discussion, and all of the insights that Dr. Demio here is is sharing with us. Andrew, this is this has been a, a, a true pleasure. If you can, I'd love if you could just leave us with a closing thought. And then the best place where the listeners could get in touch with you.
1: Okay, great. Closing thought. I'm going to say this. If you're an engineer, don't look for a doctor to find a problem to solve. And if you're a doctor, don't look for an engineer to, to solve your problem for you, but work together. Work together to solve an unmet medical need for a patient that needs it. And whether you're a doctor or an engineer or a designer or a business person or a scientist, whatever you do for a living, work together to solve real unmet medical needs for the, for the people that need those
0: those needs solved love that it's a strong message very consistent with the theme of the podcast today and um, Andrew what's the best place for people to reach out collaborate or connect with you
1: so uh, feel free to email me andrew at trig.com you can go to the trig.com website and you can find me there
0: outstanding and listeners will include that email as well as a link to trig But just to clarify, Andrew DiMeo, it's D-I-M-E-O. Yes. Andrew, this has been a ton of fun. Again, thank you for spending time with us to talk about design and med device and and being impactful. It's been a really insightful discussion.
1: Yeah, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having
0: me today. month that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to reach if I had not started my podcast. Having this organic reach enables me to get the feedback necessary to create a podcast that delivers value that you... Are looking for, and the same thing goes if you start a podcast for what you could learn from your customers. The best thing about podcasting in healthcare is that we're currently at the ground level, meaning that the number of people in healthcare listening to podcasts is small but growing rapidly. I put together a free checklist for you to check out the steps on what it takes to create your own podcast. You could find that at outcomesrocket.health/podcast. Check it out today and find a new way to leverage the sales, marketing, and outcomes of your business. That's outcomesrocket.health podcast.